0: All right, so we are at Matthew chapter six. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter six, verse 24 through 34. All right, so we're talking about, well, the reason why I explained that story there was because uh, you have to understand that grumbling and complaining is actually a profession of your unbelief, and it is according to your faith that you will receive, okay? Also, it's a matter of devotion to the Lord, whether we love him or not. Uh, we're not trying to earn God's love. It's true. If we love him, we'll do what we need to to follow him. He loved us, so he did what was necessary to follow us. What? Matthew six, what? Yes, on Matthew 6, chapter 24. Through 34. Now we're in the New Testament. This is the New Covenant. You know, the curses um, in Christ are exempt in Christ. But once again, if you don't receive Christ, do you receive exemption from the curse? You see, you have to have faith in the Lord and Christ Jesus for the curses to not apply in your life. It's very interesting. You know, because of sin, you see what I'm saying? Sin is already there. And so the scripture says, it's not that we, God sent us to hell because we reject his son. We're already on the route to hell and Jesus is the way out. You see? So it's the same with our lives. We already live in a curse, but Jesus is the removal of curse. That's the good news. See, everybody wants to say, well, why would God curse in the first place? You have to understand that cursing is because of sin. It's justice for us to get get the due penalty for our sin. If we don't believe that we deserve that, then we're prideful. It's when you realize, man, I do deserve to die for my sin. That's when God can give you grace. But if I think I don't deserve to die because of my sin, you see? But see, Jesus died for us. That's the good news. When we receive Christ, we inherit the promise. It's awesome. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the goodness of God. Jesus is all of God's goodness wrapped up into one person. Though you were a sinner, even though you deserve to die, even though you deserve the punishment, Jesus came to remove that curse from you. That's how awesome God loves us. Even though we deserve to die and be punished for our sin, Jesus died for us so that we could be redeemed from the curse of the law. It's awesome. It's good stuff. So that's the goodness of that's the goodness of God. When people start questioning the integrity of God, whether God's good or not, it's because they don't. It's because they refuse to look at their own sin. People don't. People want to judge God, but they don't want to judge themselves, lest at all be judged by a perfect God. They, so what do they do? They say, "Well, I won't be. I won't. I don't want to be judged by God. God's not perfect. Look what He did." So you see. So they literally point the blame. You think that's really going to work on the day of judgment? <laughs> but that's what we do. There's a lot of the atheists and agnostics to get to this point because they, they, they want to judge God for what he did instead of subjecting themselves to judgment when they don't realize that he's the author of all life. He's the creator of all things. He's the one who determines right and wrong. And if anything happened in the Old Testament... For a judgment's sake, it's because of sin. If you study it out, you'll realize God never did anything out of a temper tantrum. God never did anything to, uh, out of judgment, just because he lost, just because he had a a, a a swing of his emotions. You see, God always did it out of judgment, for righteousness' sake, because they sinned against God and they got their due. You see what I'm saying? They got what was deserved of them. What if, uh, What about Jesus flipping the tables? That wasn't out of a that was out of zealousness for the temple of God. Zealousness? hmm So that wasn't like uh in motion? That was righteous anger. That was Well, see, that's even different. I don't even like to say righteous anger. So you see see, Jesus was walk, walking in righteousness. He was blameless. Okay? Only time that your anger is justified is if you're blameless. God is blameless. Scripture talks about how his wrath wrath is being stored up for those who, who are who are rejecting the Lord so anger god's anger is just okay what is anger you know anger is a feeling you feel when you feel like justice hasn't been given you get angry when you feel like something like 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 something like an internal rule has been broken right this is every person has this gauge in their life what it is it roots from the tree of knowledge and good and evil See, anger without wisdom is very bad. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they became understanding of right and wrong. Therefore, they became angry. This is why Cain became angry and killed his brother. He didn't feel that it was right that God accepted Abel's sacrifice instead of his sacrifice. See, the problem from the beginning was when we have the knowledge of good and evil, it's not knowledge of God's good good and evil. It's knowledge of good and evil done to me. So if I feel like you've done me wrong, I'm going to become angry. And so then Cain, in his anger, because he lacked wisdom, which means he lacked God's understanding of right and wrong, he felt, un- he felt that it was wrong. He actually took out he actually took it out on Abel what well, he thought God did wrong. See, when there- anytime we start to-, to blame God for something, then we're really in big trouble. We fall in suit to the temptation of the devil. When we get angry, a lot of times it's not because it's justified anger. A lot of times we get angry because we feel like someone did something wrong to us. When the truth is, we don't have a clear understanding of right and wrong. We have right and wrong according to my standard. The scripture says that men do what's right in their own eyes. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it always leads to folly, it always leads to death. So we can't. So my point is, the scripture also says that man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. You have to remember that God's the one who defines righteousness, not men. God's the one who, who defines righteousness, not men. So when this is the problem with our culture. This is why we start to vote in things that say, well, this is culturally acceptable now. Well, what is culturally acceptable is not acceptable by God. Just look at Sodom and Gomorrah. God's understanding of righteousness is what we must pursue. This is why, oh, this, hey, can uh, y'all look up something for me, James? Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So what David was praying here is saying, I don't know it all, God. I don't know if I'm doing everything right. If I'm doing something wrong, tell me. It's powerful. That's what made David righteous because he pursued the righteousness of God, not his own righteousness. Can you look up another verse for me too, Cameron? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. It's very safe, man, in your prayer life to say, I don't know what I'm doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's very safe to say that. It's very safe to say, I don't know what to do. God, teach me. If I'm wrong in this thought process, then correct my thinking. You know? God always honors those who repent. Did you find another one, Cameron? Trust in the Lord. Mm. Oh, this is so good. Guys, this is perfect what we need. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your heart. This is everything we're talking about right now. Steadfast love. Whether or not you feel like God's doing you right or not, steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Let Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, for you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Watch this. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This is good stuff. All right, you get this? So we're talking about going to God for for your life, man. Going to God for your wisdom and your understanding. That's where life comes from. Okay? It's powerful stuff. Looking at our experience um, and determining God's love for us is not a good idea. We have to remember his word, period, and be unconditional in our love towards him and steadfast in our love towards him. All right, so in Matthew chapter 6... Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Actually, let's go up here to, uh... yeah, this is fine. No one can serve two masters, for either either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, so money, Uh, another word for it in the scriptures is manna, I mean a mammon, mammon, okay? I might be spelling that wrong. Yeah, I am. Man, it's the God of, of, of wealth. I'd even say riches. It's basically anything you're craving. It's the God of craving, okay? It's the God that, you know, check this out. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. So again, anxiety. The Israelites were anxious about their food and their provision. Do not be anxious about your life, whether you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the, sea, of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. All right, so the people, So what he's saying is if you're anxious, something's off with your faith. Okay. Now he's not writing you out yet. He's just teaching you what's wrong with your faith. Does that make sense? He's not he's not kicking you out. He's not talking to these people saying, I'm gonna kick you out now. You see? He's telling these people there's something wrong with your faith. You need to perfect your faith. You need to refocus your mind. Be like the heart of David. David's faith was not perfect. But he was a man after God's own heart. He searched God out. He wanted God to search him and fix what was wrong with his heart. See, that's what makes a man wise. What makes a man wise is not whether or not he knows everything. What makes a man wise is whether he seeks God. When we seek God, that is wisdom. Because God has all wisdom. You see what I mean? A wise man seeks correction. That's what makes him wise. A wise man is not a know-it-all. A wise man actually knows that he doesn't know it all. A wise man says, I don't know everything. Lord, teach me. That's wise. So if you're anxious, the scripture says that there's something wrong with your faith. Oh, you little faith. Okay. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not your own righteousness, but seek God's righteousness, the way he wants to do things. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, there's enough trouble for today. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Think about today. What do you need to do today so that tomorrow is okay? Don't worry about tomorrow so much. Father, what do I need to do today? I've got this time right now. You've given me this little day. Instead of years to come, today I have this one little day today. Father, what do I need to do to be faithful with today? And the Lord may say, Well, I want you to do this. And the reason why is because God can see. He knows what's down the road. Yeah. So you need to just do what I tell you today. You be faithful with what I gave you right now. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop worrying about where you're going. Now God might give you glimpses of that. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes God does give us glimpses of that. But for the most part, he just wants you to deal with today.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay? Why? Because you can't get to, to tomorrow without today. And if I'm always yeah. focused on tomorrow, I'm never going to take care of today. I gotta take care of today so that tomorrow will be good. So that tomorrow will be set up for success. I'm not faithful today. So anxiety really has to do with, oh, what's going to happen in the future? Stop worrying about the future. You know? God, now, don't get me wrong. You have a future. you are not supposed to be worried about it. It's good stuff. Another other verse, uh, Proverbs 16.25. That's good. That's good. So that was Proverbs 16.25. So these two verses are um, almost word for word the same good stuff um <clears throat> all right so we're gonna go over here i'm actually going backwards in my notes we're gonna go here to matthew chapter 25 verse 14 all right so mammon once again we can't be serving god and money or serving god in the in the, in the god of our belly okay we'll despise one you know we'll love one and hate the other or, we'll, or be devoted to one and despise the other okay so uh if we are worried about our cravings then we'll wind up despising God. You see? If we worry about God only, then we'll despise our own cravings. We'll see that our own cravings are a problem. Do you see that, okay, remember back in Numbers chapter 11, it was their craving that killed them. The thing that they went after, the God of their belly, killed them. You see? God handed them over to the God of their belly, which killed them. Anytime we're seeking after anything else besides the Lord, that thing is always a snake in our hand, just like Moses. When he was holding the staff, and he dropped, God said, drop this, this, the, the staff. And when he dropped the staff, it turned into a snake. I believe it really did turn into a snake, but I believe that God was actually showing Moses something. He was showing what the staff was in his hand apart from God, that it was a serpent that was going to bite him any day now. That whenever he put his hand into his cloak next to his heart, he pulled it out, it was leprous. He was saying, the things that you touch are death in your own power. But when you put them back in and I bury it, when we bury that old life and resurrect it again, this is what I can do with it. You see? So God is always wanting to bury what we think is good and, a, and a resurrect what he thinks is good in our lives. So we're never destined to be um, our own man. We're destined to be leaning into the Lord. But God created us that
1: way. Yeah.
0: You know, it's kind of like having a light bulb that's not hooked up to the socket. You know, it never lives up to its potential. It just always stays dead. But the moment I hook it up to the socket, it's become what it was created to be. You see? You were created to be linked up to God. This is why God was always working so hard to dwell with his people. Because he knew we could never become what he created us to be without us being connected to him. It's good stuff. I am the vine, you are the branches. This is good. We are always created to be connected to God. This is why we always feel empty when we're not. And anytime we are trying to serve God but we reject him in our grumblings and complainings, we still don't feel right. The ones that are the happiest are the ones that are being thankful even through the trial. Those guys are happy. And we was like, how can he be happy? He's going through a trial. Because he knows God. Mm -hmm. God is the the strength of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can overcome any trial because I love him and I'm devoted to him even unto death.
1: Yeah.
0: You see? It's powerful stuff. It's about at that point, it's not about the cravings of my life. I'm not in love with the cravings of my life. I'm in love with the Father. And if I was being tortured to death and I had the father, that's all that matters. Because I have the best thing in the world. The yeah. most, the biggest comfort of the Lord. That's it. It's the only one that matters. That's why these people die for their faith. And they don't back down. Not because they're afraid of God, but because they love God. You see? They're getting their heads chopped off over there in the Middle East because they love God. That's good. They're not afraid of God. There is a fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom, but that's not the completion of it. The completion of our wisdom is a love of the Father. When we realize how much He loves us. I have nothing to fear from God anymore. I love Him. It's good stuff. Until death do us part. It's devotion, man. All right, where are we at? Matthew chapter uh, 25. Or it will be like a man going on a journey. Matthew 25, verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. Or it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Now listen, this is powerful. God gives us talents according to our ability. Okay? What we can handle. He gives us. Now, don't get me wrong. God always takes us to a place of impossibility. That's where faith is required. Don't get me wrong. People say this all the time. God will not give you more than you can handle. Yes, he will. Every time. If you're going to follow God, he will always give you more than you can handle. Look at Moses. Moses said, there's 600,000 men on foot. It's too much for me to handle. And God says, okay, I'll, bl- I'll give you um, some help. And so God was the one who was with him. God t- Moses said, I can't do this. I can't go with these people unless you go with me. So God goes with him. Why? Because it's not too big for God. Watch this. You know how much you can handle? It's according to your humility. Your humility level will determine how much you can handle. (laughs) Almost like the more you say, I can't handle it, the more he's going to give you. Why? Because he knows you're going to have to trust in him more. And God only needs a man who's willing. God will do all the work through the one man who is just willing. Who will go with me? Here I am, send me, Isaiah says. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. It's the man who is humble that God uses the most. It's good stuff. It's the man who's humble that God uses the most. To each according to his ability. It has nothing to do... Watch this, watch this. If you'll notice, humility, not false humility. Not like, well, I can't do this. No, no, no. It's the people who say, God gave it to me, therefore I can do it. God wouldn't give me something he didn't believe in me that I could do. Check this out. God operates in faith. He has faith in you. When he gives you a little, he wants you to be faithful with that little so he can give you even more. And when we realize that we've been given a little, but I can do it through Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then God's always going to take us to a place of impossibility that is too big for us that requires me to depend on him. So the ability doesn't necessarily have to do with whether I can do it or not. It's my ability to walk humble before the Lord and operate in faith. It's my ability to to pull down from heaven what I need to pull down from heaven because I believe God's going to provide and I'm going to operate in humility. I know I can't do it, but God can do it through me. That's humility. Humility is not having your own opinion about yourself. Humility is knowing what God says about you. So if God gives me one talent, I know that I can do it. Even though I probably couldn't do it if he didn't tell me I could do it. Because even that one talent would be too much for me. You see? Can you explain the scripture to me? Hmm. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God
1: is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way
0: out so that you can endure it. All right, he's talking so he about. Says, so beyond what you can bear, what is what is he talking about there? He's talking about your temptation to sin. Okay. You will not be tempted to sin beyond what you can handle, beyond what you can bear. In other words, there is no sin temptation that comes your way that you can't overcome. Amen. But well, what about the world? What about the world? What about the things of the world that are that are hard to bear? What well, that's not talking about. That's not what that verse is talking about. That verse is... See, most people take that scripture and they automatically think that it talks about, well, if something happens in your life, a catastrophe, God God wasn't going to put that on you more than what you can handle. That's not the case. See, here's the thing. If God sends anything on you, you can't handle it. You hear what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If God was to send something on you, you cannot handle it. You will die. Okay? Okay. And that you can look in the Old Testament. When God gave them the quail, and it says that he got angry with them and struck them down, they couldn't handle it. They died. See? So, <clears throat> when he, in this passage you're reading, it's not talking about trials that come your way. It's talking about temptation to sin. We will never be tempted with sin beyond what we can bear. If, I get, if a temptation comes my way, and I fall prey to the temptation and I sin, it's my fault, not God's fault. In other words, God can't be blamed when I sin, yeah. Because that sin that came my way, God has already written in somewhere in eternity that says, "You can't tempt uh, uh, Cameron, or you can't tempt David, or you can't tempt Zach more than what he can handle." When you sin, you walk of your blood. So when you sin, it's your fault. You sin, it's your choice. And check this out: it's a matter of belief. If I don't believe that I can beat it, I won't. Yeah. This is why the scripture says, "The righteous shall walk by faith." I can't walk in righteousness without believing that I am righteous. Okay? If I believe I'm destined to sin, then when the temptation comes, I will sin. Because I don't think I can, I can beat it. That's what it used to be when I was walking in uh, sin with pornography so heavy. You know, every time I got tempted, I, I thought to myself, it's too late. It's, it's a done deal. I, I'm already going to mess up. It's all, I'm already down the road. I'm slippery slope. I can't get up again. Why? Because I believed that. It was the moment that I believed I could win. That's when I started winning. When I believed, when I actually believed, see the thing is, I had believed a lie. That I was trapped. That's what addiction is. It's a lie. Now, don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying people aren't in bondage. I'm saying people aren't in bondage to a lie. Okay? If I believe in the lie that I have to sin, then I will sin. Be according to my faith. If I believe that I will be righteous, if I believe that I will overcome by the word of the Lamb and by the by by the by the word of the, of the uh, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, I will overcome. And this is what overcomes the world: our faith. When I believe that I can win, that's when I win. Yeah. If I don't believe I'm going to win, then I'm like these people in in Israel, the um, the Israelites that were in the desert. They went into the land of Canaan, saw the giants, and said, "We can't win." What happened to them? They didn't win. They stayed in the wilderness. But the people who said we can win, lived 40 more years and went and took the land.
1: Most of the time winning ain't easy.
0: Winning ain't easy. It's true. (laughs) It's going to take a fight. It's going to take sacrifice. God never said it was going to be easy. He said, it's interesting. You know, there was different things in our lives that God completely like wins for us. But we still have to be obedient. They didn't obey the Lord. Then he wouldn't have won for them because they couldn't have. They weren't operating in faith. But if they operated in faith, then God would win for them. Then after that, after like for instance, Exodus chapter 14, you see that the people, uh, it says, why are, you, why are you complaining against me? Stand still. In other words, shut up. Stop complaining. and You'll see the deliverance of the Lord today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again, for the Lord will fight for you. And he says, why are you just standing there? Go forward. So now they, so they were told to be quiet. Why? Because their, their speech was speaking death. Be quiet. Stop it. Stop talking death. Trust me. Now do what I tell you. Mm -hmm. If they hadn't parted the Red Sea, if they hadn't gone forward into the impossibility, because see, that Red Sea was impossible. It was impossible for them to win. The Egyptians were coming on their chariots, 600 um, chariots. They were going to kill all these people. Then God said, Now do what I tell you. Trust me, you will win. But now do what I tell you. If they didn't do what he told them, they would have lost. They would have have died because they disobeyed the word of the Lord. But God said, all right, go forward. Put your your staff in the sea. And the sea parted. They started walking across dry ground. Then the Egyptians followed them. And then the sea came back together again and destroyed the Egyptians. Okay? So you have to see that in that moment, God said, shut up. Be still. Stop it. Stop talking death. Listen to me. I'm going to beat these guys for you. You just got to do what I tell you. Mm -hmm. So faith was completed by action. First, be quiet. Listen, get the word of the Lord. Be quiet. Stop talking your death. Stop believing a lie. Listen, I'm going to win. That's faith. Believe the word I just told you. I'm going to win. You're going to win. You are going to win. Now here's the way out. But they had to be quiet so they could hear God, so they could find out the way out.
1: Yeah, save so him.
0: Then they, so what was right in their own eyes was, we're going to die. But what was right in God's eyes was, I will part to see for you. You see, what happens is God always takes us to a place of impossibility.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But even in that posi- place of impossibility, it's not too much for us if we'll just trust him. You see? Because he will give us the way out. It doesn't say he's going to, he's not going to allow us to be tempted more than we can handle because so, we're going to get our way out. He says, but I will provide the way out. It's always dependent on him. Our victory is always dependent on Christ. You see? And that passage really is talking about sin. It's not talking about actual um, trials that hit us in life. Um, now, the scripture is clear about being thankful, even in the trials. Why? Because thanksgiving is our faith. If I am thankful, then I speak faith. Oh, I'm about to fall over here. If I'm thankful, then I speak faith. All right? If I'm grumbling, then I'm speaking unbelief. The only way to make sure you come out of your problem, the trial in your life, is to not complain. If you're in the trial and you start complaining, you just screwed up. Yeah. If the trial comes, you've got to stay thankful. Got to stay thankful. Even in the trial. Why? Because Thanksgiving is faith. And only by faith am I going to go into the grave and come back out again. You're always destined to go into the dark place. To beat it. Not not just so you can suffer. It's so that you can win. It's good stuff. That's why Jesus came. He came into the darkness, shown the light. And that light was the light of all men. Thank you, Jesus, for leading the way. He showed us how to do it. See, God didn't come in here just so that we could be exempt from darkness. He came to show us how to beat darkness. You are destined to go into darkness and beat it.
1: Yeah.
0: You're destined to go into the place that's trying. Why? Because you're supposed to win. There's a ton of other people in the world that are in darkness. If you don't go back into the darkness and win, how can you help others win? You have to watch Jesus. Jesus came into the darkness. He won. Now I'm going to go into the darkness and I'm going to win. And I'm going to teach other people how to win. I'm gonna be the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. What is the purpose in light without being dark first? I got to be the light in the darkness. You are the light of the world. The world is dark. You're gonna go into darkness. And people think that's cruel. It's not cruel, it's love. It's love for God to send me into the darkness to help save other people. Mm. That's where all the other people are. Yeah. That's where the people that need love the most are in the darkness. If I'm running from the darkness, then I'm a coward, number one, and I don't love. God wants me to go into the dark place to save the people that are in darkness. That's where all of the lost people are. I can't go fishing in a place where there is no fish. I can't go into the church try to win everybody to Jesus. I got to go into the darkness, outside the church, find the lost people on the street. That's where all the work is. Now, don't get me wrong, the work is in the church, too, because a lot of people are still dealing with their darkness, coming to the church, but they're coming to the church to get healed and get fed. But the church is not designed to be just a hospital. <laughs> the church is designed to be a university to teach doctors. You see? Yeah. But most people come to the hospital and they stay a victim their whole Christian life. Those people, I question sometimes whether or not they're really even saved. Because if I'm being saved, I know that I'm not a victim anymore. And it, it's not about it's not a matter of whether or not you're in a trial. It's a matter of what, whether in your heart you believe you're a victim. a victim. If I am a victor in my heart, whether I'm going through trial or not, I'm still a winner. You see, and I'm gonna beat it.
1: Yeah, that's
0: the point. My point is, we're spo- in the church. It's not just supposed to be a hospital. Don't get me wrong. Now there's a hospital aspect to the church, but we're in a war zone, man. There, there's no hospitals in on the on the battlefield there's paramedic uh medic uh tents they come in they and they bring you in there ship you up and get you get you better you know but then when you're better if you can you go back out and fight Mm -hmm. you know we're in a war
1: hey guys this is james whetstone here thank you again so much for all your help all your support if you have not done it yet click that like button click that subscribe button and stay tuned every single week for a brand new teachings from bold the aligned ministries View our website go to it go to b-a-l-m-z-s.com if you haven't already we got all of our teachings all of our events all of our ministries ways to give ways to help other people oh there's just so much that you can do there's so much here that you can do so help us out help us help the world follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook. You can do that by searching Bold as Lion Ministries. If you can't find us on Twitter by doing that, then go ahead and search Daily Balm. That's B-A-L-M. It stands for Bold as a Lion Ministries or a soothing ointment, whichever you prefer. So do that. Also, we got a lot of things coming. Consider becoming a monthly sponsor or giving a one-time donation to help us make this bigger, help us make this better we want to reach as many people as we can for the gospel but we can't do that without tools and money is a tool we believe in putting God's people's money to work so if you want to be part of that work go to the website click that gift tab and there's all of our ministry outlets that you can choose from whatever you want to support whether it be drug recovery whether it be missions or whether it be videos like this so Don't be a stranger. Just click it. Just click it. God loves a cheerful giver. Okay. Bye-bye.